Hey everyone, welcome to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy this message from our preaching series, Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And the last one, keep company with me. And you might be here and go, oh gee, it's a bit of a stretch to see that is serving. But if you look at Jesus and study Jesus, the one thing he is known as is a servant saviour. Matthew chapter 20, 28, I'll refer to it again later. Matthew 20, 28 is one of the key verses in the Bible, if you're taking notes. It says, the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Makes a fantastic meme if you attach it to a ping pong game. The Son of Man didn't come to serve, but anyway. So Christian surfers change it to the Son of Man came to surf. And to give his life as a ransom. I was like, yeah, I like that one. That's pretty good too. Kind of man, Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is constantly the servant saviour. And I want to I keep drilling this home as well. We don't believe in deism. We want to kill deism. Deism says God created the world and then separated himself and wants nothing to do with it now. Jesus is not retired in heaven. He's active. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here. God is moving. And when we say, keep company with me, like we looked at last invitation, work with me, it's not doing things for God, going, are you happy now? It's, Lord, what are you up to today? God, what are you doing in my community? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in me right now? I want to work with you. Well, it's the same as keep company with me. God, what are you doing right now? Who are you serving? Who are you loving? Who are you starting to soften their heart? What are you doing now? I want to partner with you. And so this month, we want to look at um, something that I want to be really, really, really clear on. This month, we're looking at servant-heartedness. The reason I want to be clear on that is we are not talking about filling rosters. Sometimes pastor gets up to talk on serving. It's like, oh, there must be a few rosters empty. You know what I mean? I might have to jump on. And to be completely honest, since we started church after COVID, we are well low on what we need. Uh, That's just the way it is. One week a month, we don't even have kids' church operating upstairs because it's illegal for us to have it. We don't have enough trained people per the amount of kids. We don't have enough leaders. So that's just the way it is. We haven't started cafe because the only people putting their hand up are already serving on two rosters. So I've said, no, I don't want you doing that much work. So I'm not trying to manipulate anyone. I'm just saying black and white, we are low on on rosters. However, here's the thing. We've been at a time where our rosters were full and there was still uh, people I could see not having a servant heart in the community Monday to Saturday. And so reminder of our win as a church, if we had to pick between rosters of full, but I'm seeing members being really unchristlike online and in person out in the community, that's not a win. Church, we're servant hearted. We love our community. Our entire building back there is called our genuine love building. We have food relief. We have an op shop. We, we had cab officers. We, Michelle runs counseling out of there. We, wanna, we were doing renos before COVID. We used to do genuine love renovations at people struggling or we did the special school. We want to show a light of Jesus to our community. See how this is so much greater than filling a roster? Sometimes we look at the bare minimum, but a religious mindset. All right, what do I have to do for just to get God off my back and make it to heaven? That's the mindset I'm constantly trying to shift. It's not about, we're in a relationship. 
We get to see that Jesus is loving and serving the community. We partner with Him. This is unbelievable. So today I'm going to talk out of one of my favorite passages, which I say most weeks, but it really is one of my favorite passages that highlights Jesus' beautiful servant-hearted nature. If you've got your Bible, you might know where I'm going now. John chapter 13, if you've got your Bible. Story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. A quick up backstory, if you're new to Christianity, then or, or wouldn't call yourself a Christian in this point. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four gospel stories about Jesus Christ. Now, John was written at the end of the first century, largely to battle a thing called Gnosticism, which was pulling down Jesus' deity. So he really, this gospel of John, he doesn't have a desire to talk much about Jesus the miracle worker or Jesus the teacher, because no one was debating those things. Everyone still said he could do miracles and was a teacher. He tries to prove his deity. So we actually only see seven miracles, and there's, but there's seven chapters, I'm trying to think, yeah, about that. Seven chapters of the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, which is fascinating. So John does a deep dive into the Last Supper and all the teaching that transpired there. And this moment we're about to pick up in literally is the start of this teaching of Jesus' The Last Supper and what happened there. So picking up in John chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. If you've got a pen, feel free to underline return. Some people um, believe called Arianism. Some people will say that Jesus was the first creation of God. He wasn't God for eternity past. He was begotten by God. He was created at his birth. And so these are beautiful scriptures that nullify that. And return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he had loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, this is awesome, catch this bit. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. He's already got it. And that he had come from God and would return to God. That's a really secure place to be in, right? Jesus is confident. He's like, I already know. I've already got the authority. God's my father. I came from him. I'm going back to him. It's all good. So what would you do if you realized that? So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. Once again, feel free to circle that part. Some people teach that Jesus didn't think he was God. (laughs) And you are right. Like he's confirming it there. He confirms it again after his resurrection with Thomas. Because that's what I am. 
Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, church, you ought to wash each other's feet. Can we bring out the basins? No, just kidding. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Amen? One more verse. John chapter 4, verse 34, as I touched on before. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained it. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. We pray. God, we love you. First and foremost, Jesus, we thank you for serving us. We recognize that we could never get ourselves to heaven. We recognize that we could never be morally good enough, fulfill the law. We couldn't do it. So we thank you, God, for serving us and doing what was necessary for us to be in a relationship with you for eternity. Lord, I pray that you'd help me preach this message in a way where we would all see the joy and honor of being servant-hearted, first and foremost to each other, and then to our community beyond. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good. Incredible passage, right? Like, even if we stop, before we break it down, like, what? Jesus got up and washed their feet before dying? Like, he already knew that he was God. He already knew he had the authority. He already knew he was going back to heaven. And he could have still just gone to the cross and, res- yeah, sweet. Why would you actively wash their feet? Like, what a, what a, what a moment to see here. What a phenomenally humble experience. And I want us to catch the heart that's going on here. See, Jesus had nothing to gain in this moment, really. But he chose to take on the form of the lowest servant. Now, this, is, this was customary at the time. When you would walk in, you might have heard it preached before. It was pretty gross. Back in the day, they're walking around everywhere. Streets are disgusting. Animal dung is just everywhere. They're walking from town to town. When they came into a place, their feet are disgustingly dirty. Cool? And it was the house servant's role to get up and wash their feet. It was like the lowest servant in the house. That was their role. Like, yuck. Undo the sandals. Could you imagine? I mean, I'm not a big feet person anyway. I don't like touching a clean foot at the best at times. But I remember being in a pastor's meeting once and everyone's like, now we're going to wash each other's feet. And I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Sorry. I don't love you guys that much. But I'm like, this is weird today. If you've just had a shower, like I'm not touching your feet. Like God himself undid this disgusting sandal, humbly washed their feet. It's wild, right? Like it's a wild thing to remember that Jesus, God himself in this moment chose to do that to show us how to act in this world. Church, can you first and foremost just see this is so much more than rosters, so much bigger. You and I are called to be servant-hearted to our world. You and I are called to be this. Jesus often said, the, the disciples are debating about who is the greatest. And he said, hey, hey the, the Gentiles, those rulers, they debate over such things. They worry about who is the greatest. It shall not be so among you. Whoever decides, desires to be first shall be last. 
That's why they call it the upside down kingdom. The greatest person here isn't some role or position or thing. It's all of us corporately taking on the role of a servant to be in the body of Christ together. See the power in this? Oh, there's so much power. Guys, we live in the most selfish, individualized community and era that has potentially ever been. It is horrid. Uh, Anne was telling me about some company, I can't remember which one, she saw like a bus go past. And it's this big company, it was like the saying was, do whatever is necessary to make you happy. Like that's the message we're screaming to our world right now. And TV shows and social media and all the kind of celebrities, oh man, if you're not happy in the marriage, you get out. Like it's that easy. Oh, if you're not happy at the job, leave. Even if you're happy there, if you've been there more than five years, leave. Get some more experience. Do whatever is necessary to make you happy. See how anti-gospel this is? Promotion. Promote yourself. Make you happy. Make you the leader. Do whatever is necessary to climb the corporate ladder till you get higher. Jesus is saying, you want to be the greatest? Take on the form of a servant. Be the lowest. Be the lowest out there. Serve everyone. And there's some beautiful things in this passage for us to see. Number one, I want us to see that serving is a natural overflow of love. Serving is a natural overflow of love. See, verse one, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he had loved them to the very end. J.I. Packer, phenomenal theologian. If you haven't uh, read his book, Knowing God, Knowing God, I, I beg you to go and grab it. It's one of the best books I've ever read on understanding the nature of God. But he says, for love awakens love in return. Love, if I love hand well, it awakens love in return. And then once love, uh, sorry, and love once awakened desires to give. See, religion screams, you have to give, you have to serve, you have to attend, you have to invite, you have to bless. That's why we're killing religion constantly. Guys, get it out of your mindset. It comes back, kill it again. Say yes to relationship. I don't have to serve you. I get to. I don't have to serve Jesus. I get to. I don't have to serve our community. I get to. Right now, there is just so much chaos. I know I keep touching on things online, but I, I, I don't think I've ever been in, especially, I don't think I've ever led through such a divisive season. So much angst and hatred and narkiness and against each other. And, you know, some people are like, why, why, why are you going to take your stand and tell us your stance on things? Here's, here's just my stance. What's happening in the world now? The two things I'm passionate about, soteriology or salvation, the process and what's involved in salvation, people being saved and getting to heaven. And then I, I get excited about eschatology, end times things, what's going on. And here's my opinion. Nothing of what I'm seeing right now fits in those categories. I'm sorry. It's just my opinion. Is that cool? Does that make sense? Um, so if it's not an issue of Jesus what's happening in the world now. And if it's not an issue of salvation, and if it's not an issue of him coming back, 
like obviously everything's kind of involved with him coming back, but really big picture, it's not like, I don't think it's happening next week. It, that's my opinion. But so if it's not an issue, I'm not getting caught up in it. And so here's the thing, you can have your opinion about vaccines and lockdowns and borders. You're entitled to your opinion. But Christian, if your opinion does not lead you to love someone well, you've got the wrong opinion. I don't care what your opinion is. If online you're divisive and tearing someone down and you can't wait to rebut something, you're not acting like Christ. And my role is not to tell you whether to get the vaccine or not. My role is to tell you, Christian, to act like Christ. Christian was first used in Acts 11 in a place called Antioch. It literally means little Christ, imitator of Christ, follower of Christ. So whatever your opinion is now, can you love someone who differs? We want to be a servant-hearted, love-based church in our community. Here's what it looks like. Can you love someone who differs? Because what I'm seeing right now in our egotistical, self-indulged society is people think it's actually kind of cool and post-worthy to serve someone as long as they act like you, think like you, talk like you, dress like you, go where you go, like what you like. Oh, I'll serve you guys. I can't wait. Yeah, I'll drop a dinner around. That's not when the church looks the most beautiful. The church is called to love everyone. The church is called to love and serve everyone. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Uh, Luke chapter 10. The Good Samaritan. Feel free, write it down if you haven't. Read it later. A guy, a Jew, who at the time were God's people, gets beaten up, robbed, and left on the road. Three people come up. One is a priest. The priest looks and just keeps walking. The priest doesn't stop, doesn't help, doesn't do anything. Then it says a temple leader, I think it was a Levite, comes up, draws close, and then crosses to the other side of the road. Keeps going. But then a Samaritan comes up. And if you've done any kind of study in the Bible, oh, they were the outcasts. They were hated. People hated the Samaritans. This guy comes up to a Jew. By nature, he would have hated the Jew. He was segregated from the Jew. He was different from the Jew. John 4 says they couldn't even talk to each other. And he comes up, he binds his wounds, puts him on his own donkey, walks him to the local, I think it was like an inn, a hotel room or something, pays for the accommodation and says, if his bill goes over, I'll come back and pay the rest too. And Jesus said, which of these three was his neighbor? Some people says the one who helped him, right? The Jew, the, the, the Pharisee, the priest, sorry, that was what I was looking for. The priest is of the same group, Israelites. Look the same, sound the same, dress the same, worship the same God, but he doesn't actually help him. He doesn't actually serve him. Jesus said, that's not a real neighbor. Wild, hey, wild. The Levite, same group, same people, same God, same thing, same Torah. Doesn't actually help him. He says, that's not a neighbor. Samaritan. Different views, different views of worship, different views of God, different groups, different style, different location. Everything actually helps. Doesn't preach at him. Doesn't put him on the donkey. Now let me, while I slowly walk you to the hotel, tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I'll pay the bill if you denounce Judaism and come on over to us. <laughs> Sound familiar? He doesn't preach at him. 
He loves him. Doesn't preach. Gets his hands dirty. Freaking helps the guy. We didn't even know about this until Jesus told us. Are you telling us he didn't post it on social media? I'm telling you that, yeah. He paid money. He physically helped someone. He went out of his way, off track to go and help this guy. And Jesus said, beautiful. That's a real neighbor. So much more than acting like a Christian and jumping on a roster. Can you see what Jesus is always bringing us back to? Servant-hearted, selfless, other people-focused nature. And if you can't love someone who disagrees with you on what's going on in the world right now, I think you need to continuously open your heart to allow Jesus to grow you and challenge you there. Because you have not arrived at the right place. You might, your view might not change, but as long as your heart towards that person changes, two thumbs up. Cool? Serving is an overflow of love. Wow. To the world. Serving is an overflow of belonging. Second point. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Serving is an overflow of belonging. Jesus said, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Please do not serve to try and be loved by God. Don't walk in here one day going, oh man, I stuffed up. I dropped the ball. I haven't read in ages. I haven't done this. I'm not sure if God loves me anymore. I better serve. I better offer to clean up at the lunch just so God loves me. No. You already belong. Do you remember the the prodigal son? Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. Prodigal son. I love it. Uh, Very condensed version, rich guy, two, two kids, the youngest son comes up and says, I can't even wait till he die, can I have my inheritance now? Gets his inheritance, goes out, parties, sells it all, like spends all his money, he gets so broke, he's there, he has to get a job in a famine feeding pigs, and he says, even the pig food got enticing, it looks so good, that's how broke and poor and hungry this guy was, okay? He goes, gets a revelation, Wait a minute, back at my dad's house, even the servants have food to spare. Catch it, there's something crucial about this. I'm going to go home to my dad. He says this, I'm going to say, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Make me as one of your hired servants. Three points to his speech. He's walking home. This is a journey. I always picture him practicing it. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. When he gets back, when he gets back, the father runs up, embraces him, kisses him, and then the, the son's like, I've got to say my speech. I've been working on this speech. What does he get to? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the father cut him off doesn't even get to say the last point. He's like, kill the fatted calf, bring out the best robe, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. This son of mine is home. Why? For you and I to receive salvation, you and I need to understand that we have sinned against heaven and against people. You and I need to understand that we are not worthy to be called children of God. We haven't earned our position. But here's something crucial I want you to understand. God is never going to make you a hired servant. Never. Because the hired servant is in dad's house getting food but doing stuff to earn their position. 
that's religion. Guys, I beg you to say this. That is religion. We have to kill religion. You have a place at dad's table now through what Jesus did on the cross. You have a place there now. You have access to the throne room of grace now. You have access to the presence of God now. You have access to the gifts of God and the blessings of God now. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It is on offer now through faith in Jesus Christ. So hear me, if you serve and if you love and if you give, don't do it to earn, don't do it, I better do it because God did all this for me. It's an overflow of already belonging. It's an overflow. Then your heart changes towards it. Now I get to serve on a roster because I love people. I get to serve on a roster because I can't wait to be there for people. Now you start thinking this way. Uh, I'm not serving on a roster to be accepted by God. Suddenly I'm going there because this person might have had a tough week. Kurt might have had a really tough week this week. He has a lot of pressure as a police officer. Sometimes he walks in and if I'm on the welcome door, hey mate, how you doing? Big smile. Get to give him a COVID safe cuddle and, and, and just be there for the guy. Absolutely be there for the guy. Suddenly I'm not serving for me or to make me feel better. I'm outward focused. If we start serving our community, thinking purely the other people, we'll start to act more like Christ. Once again, in my opinion, this whole passage, Jesus had nothing to gain. He fulfilled the law. He was about to die, rise again, defeat sin and death, go to heaven. He already had the authority. What's he got to gain? He's just showing you how much he loves you. Having loved his disciples, he loved them to the end. So he got up and washed their feet. He loves you so much. It's an overflow of belonging. I'll finish with this. Side note, I know it's hot in here. I said last week our air cons after 20 years broke. And it was a very flippin' expensive bill. I had to replace half the roof and the ducting and two air con units and cranes were in here all week. And anyway, they were meant to finish on Friday and now they're finishing on Monday. So if you feel like it's a bit of a hot box in here, try getting under these lights. Okay. We need a leader. We'll go and have lunch together. Serving is an overflow of following. Jesus said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I don't even need to break that down. Your Savior is saying to you, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Christian, you're called to be a servant. Flourish in it. Do it. Do it well. And hear me clearly. You probably won't receive any credit for it. You're probably going to serve someone who's so arrogant and offensive that they somehow blame you for what you're doing. That's more of a sign of the, the hurt and pain in our world than it is that you're doing the wrong thing. Too many people encounter that and then they stop serving. They stop being servant-hearted. That's more of a reason to serve, don't you think? When people are so hurt and, and, and experiencing so much trauma from whatever's happening right now that they lash out on you, don't take it as you're doing the wrong thing. Take it as, man, more than ever our community needs a church that actually loves them. More than ever our church needs a community that will just shut up for a season and love people well. I'm going to keep serving. That's how I follow Christ. Because John 10, 4-5, Jesus is speaking about being a shepherd. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. 
because they know his voice. They don't follow a stranger. They're going to run from him because they don't know his voice. Back up to verse 15. The voice of your Savior is saying, this I have done so you can do as well. Let's follow his voice. Amen. And all this is possible, as I was saying before out of Philippians 2, because Jesus didn't see equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Why do we get to serve our community knowing we're already loved, we're already accepted, we already belong to Jesus? Because we're awesome? No. Purely by saying, Jesus, you love me. And I'm through faith saying, I want to live for you forever. That's how we're his. Amen. This morning, you might not call yourself a Christian. As you've been with us, something has shifted in your heart. And you've recognized that religion is so wrong. Religion causes problems. Religion drives people away. But Jesus doesn't. Relationship does not. And Jesus is here wanting a relationship with you. He came to earth for that relationship with you. So when we close our service, I'm going to stay down the front. Hand's going to close in a minute. But I'd love to meet you. I'd love to get to quickly pray with you. I'd love to give you a free Bible, answer any other questions you've got about Jesus, help you in this time. That would bring me so much joy. So whenever the service is done, come see me down the front. I'm going to wait a couple of minutes, and then I'll run out to see some baptisms. Apart from that, C3 Corumban members here. Let's love our community well this week, especially online. Let's shine a light, amen, so they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Lord, we love you so much. Help us to live for you and with you the rest of our days. Help us to sense you, Holy Spirit, prompting us to bless someone, to invite someone over for a meal, to take someone out for coffee, just to see how they're going. Lead us in this way. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church.